Our communion meditation is from Ruth, beginning at Ruth chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. So Ruth went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself. And there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I am a close relative, however. There is a relative closer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be. If he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would awaken us, have us to hear it, uh, understand it, and above all, obey it. We give you thanks for your kindness towards us. We give you thanks for your word, your spirit at work in our hearts, and Christ who has sacrificed all for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. It's been five weeks, and so let me recap briefly. Ruth returned from Moab with Naomi, and she'd been gleaning in Boaz's fields, most likely for about five to ten weeks. And so the very first day when she returned and told her where she'd been, Naomi said to her, he is a close relative of ours, stay in his fields. And Boaz had said the same to her. And so weeks and weeks have passed. And then in the last one, and let me go ahead and read this. I'll read from verse 1 through 5. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. Now, I shared that there does seem to be a little bit of impropriety in what Naomi is commanding Ruth to do. And yet, when you really examine it, I don't really think there is impropriety here. What Naomi is doing is in a very discreet way, challenging Boaz to do right by Ruth. By sending her at night like this and by having it uh, play out as it is, she is giving Boaz the chance, in my opinion, to, to back away from this responsibility, to not do what would be right in this situation, to step up as the kinsman redeemer. And yet, she has her dress nicely. She, I'm sure she smells nicely. She goes down there at night and she waits. And so that's what we see playing out right now. And yet, what I believe Naomi wants is a surety for Ruth, a future for Ruth. And so that's what she commits her on a path to do. 
So we know that Ruth then goes in, lies at her feet, like, like at his feet, like a servant, and then this then occurs. Boaz has had a great day, by the way. He's had a great few months. He's had all of his crops come in. He's now winnowing the, these crops. Uh, and so this is the culmination of months of labor. And he's a businessman. He's a landowner. He has a lot of mouths to feed. So he's in a jovial mood. The, the text says it. He has eaten. He has drunk. He is cheerful. And then he goes and sleeps on the grain that has been winnowed out. So now, I don't think we would regard him as being unduly self-satisfied at this point. He's doing what it is God would have him to do, and he's done it well, and so he's a happy man. So he's there sleeping on his grain. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, you have to imagine Ruth is skulking about, waiting for all of this to die down, for everything to get quiet, and then to come in and slip in just like Naomi had instructed her. And that's what happens. So then at midnight, Boaz discovers her. He's startled. He knows it's a woman at his feet. Who are you? I mean, this is shocking. And so then she immediately then says, this is what I'm here about. And, and this is, I'd like to read this again. Who are you? I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. So this is very precise language that Boaz would have immediately understood. As a matter of fact, this phrase, take me under your wing, is exactly what Jesus would long, long, long in the future, distant descendant of Boaz and Ruth, would say when he's standing outside of Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often have I wanted to take you under my wing like a hen takes her chicklings. So see, Jesus is fulfilling this, ultimately. He does, he is the kinsman redeemer that goes ahead to fulfill that on our behalf, on the behalf of this, his long descendants. So what does he say? Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, if you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. So now we learn a couple things if we hadn't already known or suspected. Two things, really, that are very clear from this text. First, Boaz is much older than Ruth. And so we will soon see that he knows he's her kinsman redeemer. And so he's known this from the beginning. So has Naomi. They've known this all along. And yet he opens up to her, in a sense, sharing with her his heart. Yes, I know, but I'm so much older than you, and here you are coming after me, letting me know as this older man that you are willing to become my wife. He is, I think, flattered by this. He uh, commends her for not going after the young, the young men, poor or rich, but instead seeking him, the kinsman redeemer. Uh, he is honored, I think, by what's happened. He is surprised, I would say. So he doesn't find himself to be a good catch. Naomi had recommended to Ruth that he is a good catch, but he doesn't seem to think of himself like that. We don't know exactly why, but that's the situation. And again, though, we'd covered this earlier, Boaz 
is a wealthy man. He's a successful man. He's an authoritative man. And this is what he says. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. He has no regrets whatsoever, no doubts in his mind that he is willing to do this. And he acknowledges that the people will accept this. But he then goes on to share that there is another that is closer. This again also, I think, shows an aspect of Boaz's character. He understands the law. And so he knows that before he can exercise this, he must give the opportunity to this other man to fulfill the role of the kinsman redeemer because he's in a closer relative position to Elimelech. And so he does that. But he is very kind in saying this. If that man is willing to do it, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. And so he's promised her that she has nothing to worry about. It's going to happen. So then he commands her, lie down until morning. So Ruth trusted Naomi throughout all of this. She's come with Naomi back to Israel. She has done all that Ruth has asked. And even this, even going out to this uh, winnowing floor at night and then lying down at this man's feet, she's done this. She's cast herself upon Naomi, upon uh, Boaz, and ultimately upon God to provide for her. And Boaz here trusts God. He does not circumvent God's law. Even though his heart is drawn to this woman, he is willing to allow another to have her because that's what God's law would call it to do. So my question to you is this. Do you trust God like Ruth and Boaz do here? Do you trust God and do you trust in His Word? When you read His Word and when you find that it conflicts with some underlying belief or assumption that you have in your heart, do you immediately think, I'm not right with God. I must get right with God. I must do what He wants. Or do you really, let's understand this more. And really, that is kind of a catchphrase for, no, I'm not going to immediately do this. I need to know much, much more before I do what God appears to be telling me to do. And in a sense, and often I think this is the reality, it just fades away. For an instant, God had convicted you, and in your heart, you knew what you're looking at is true. Yet you sought a way out to escape from God's requirement upon you. And instead of just obeying Him instantly in your heart, you look for a way to get out from under what God is now telling you clearly you ought to do. I don't believe Boaz is like that. I don't believe Ruth is like that. And so I would encourage you not to be like that. God doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to be obedient children, ready and willing to do all that He calls us to do when He calls us to do it. And so don't him and haw. Don't seek to understand it more thoroughly. Do what it is God would have you to do. And so when we come to the table, that's also what we're coming here for. We're not coming just to be forgiven of uh, sins of omission, sins of commission. We're coming here to say, God, give us our marching orders. Convict me of what it is that you want me to do. In what way have I been failing you? Please have me to not continue to do that. 
Make me a useful servant in your kingdom. Lord God, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for the fact that your Holy Spirit is always at work in our hearts, convicting us of sin, drawing us nearer to yourself. And we pray that we would behave in a way that is consistent with this, that we would want what you want, that we would be in league with your Spirit, that we would not fight against him, that we would not resist him. Father, we thank you for this power that is at work in us, and we pray that you would overcome our inhibitions, overcome our hard hearts, and our insistence on having things our way, and have us just instead uh, commit to you to believe and obey, regardless of the cost, when you convict us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.